Welcome to episode 101. Dr. Meg Mill is a functional medicine health practitioner and clinical pharmacist. In her practice, she works with patients to focus on healing the root cause of their health struggles through advanced diagnostic testing and personalized support. Meg has been featured in national publications such as Authority Magazine, Thrive Global, Drug Topics and Circle Magazine as well as several national blogs and podcast guest appearances. With her conventional and functional medicine expertise, she can help her patients improve their health naturally while still understanding and respecting conventional practice protocols. She is particularly passionate about helping professionals suffering from chronic headaches or migraines find relief and increase productivity and energy to enjoy their life again with a proven 8-step headache protocol. Headaches and migraines can be debilitating and the answer is not to keep painkillers ready all the time. I say this because I have seen this trend even among those in the healthcare space themselves. If you need medication, then your body is just not in balance. It begins with getting back to understanding your root causes, which many times can be the most basic ones. Another common mistake made by both patients and practitioners is looking for and including complex root causes and protocols while being totally blind to the cleanup needed on this basic level. This episode has a lot of information on some of these basic triggers of migraines. Stay tuned for some of the most profound conversations with global experts all coming up only on the Sleep Whisperer podcast in 2022. We stopped releasing episodes at the end of last year to give you a breather and also some time to catch up on any episodes that you missed. Now we are back with conversations filled with cutting-edge research, age-old wisdom, clinical pearls, serene meditations and exciting information. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Allied Functional Medicine Practitioner, author and yogini and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Dr. Meg, it's such a pleasure to have you with me today and we are speaking about something which impacted me for several years, not in the past few years, but before that I must have had these 
debilitating headaches uh, and in my case it had a lot to do with cyclical headaches which I know a lot of women struggle with even today and that can also be impactful to sleep but more than that um, Dr. Meg I recall myself at one point it was so severe that I couldn't open my eyes I just wanted to shut my eyes and I had this cool washcloth tied around my forehead and I would keep wetting that cloth again because it was blinding it felt literally like my head was going to explode at any moment and I know several friends who just carry medication in their purse and then every time they they've got into this loop where they just think that the solution is to pop that pill and I know that you have a lot of experience with headaches and you've got a very beautifully structured um, framework for looking through headaches through the function medicine paradigm um, but of course, why headaches? Why that area of focus? Because that's uh, an unusual area and I know it's much needed, but actually you were the first person that I saw who was so specialized in this area. So what brought you personally into this space? Yes, well, thank you for so much for having me, first of all. And I actually just um, started, when I started my functional medicine practice, I, I see people all over the world for all different reasons. But one thing I noticed was commonly, particularly with women, that everyone that was coming to me, not every single person, but such a was the reason they came to me, or whether they were coming, you know, for other reasons, there was this common connection with chronic headaches, particularly in women. And I just realized, wow, this is such an impactful thing that not many, like you're saying, not many people are talking about. People are just feeling like, oh, I have headaches. I just have to suffer. I just have to pop pills or that's just who I am, or that's just genetic. And, and so when I've been working with people, then I'm getting responses of, well, that changed my life. Oh my gosh. I never knew I didn't have to have headaches all the time. Oh, I don't have to suffer. And I realized this is just so impactful. It's actually like a, a $17 billion healthcare expense in the U S alone for, for headaches every year. And we're just um, wow. ignore, ignoring that in some ways, just saying, okay, take a, take medicine and, and move on rather than really looking into the root cause. And once you do that, so many people can, once you're looking into why they're getting the headaches and solving that, that those imbalances, then they no longer have headaches or have to take medication. And it's just amazing. And it, you're so right about the band-aid approach, Meg, but it seems to be rampant everywhere because there are people who I see who are focused in health in several areas and there are uh, health coaches themselves who I see who carry medication in their bag and they don't seem to think that there's something amiss with actually getting into that loop of just realizing that this is just fix it and you know move on and not to actually dig a little deeper and I'm actually the other way sometimes I'm to the point of obsession trying to see that I'm not going to take medication for anything so what can I do what is this telling me I know not everyone might be that way but uh, do you come across people who are resistant 
to getting rid of their medications and trying to figure out an alternate approach? Yes, I think people just are used to hearing that, like you're saying, that's just the pattern that they've always been in. So they feel like, oh, this is the answer. But I like to use the analogy for people um, with a, someone told me this one time and you would say, if you take your car to a mechanic and you said, my car is making a noise and the mechanic just handed you a pair of earmuffs and said, here are your keys back, go drive your car. Would you feel comfortable? And I think headaches is a good analogy because the headaches are a symptom. They're not yes. what's going on. So it's actually figuring out like, okay, your headaches are the noise. They're the symptom. We need to look into why you're getting the headaches, not just put that bandaid on and take those painkillers to get rid of it. Love that analogy, Meg. And uh, of course, I would love for us to speak a little bit about how does uh, how do headaches impact sleep, or is it that someone who's ignoring poor sleep is uh, it becomes another root cause for why they're having chronic headaches? Is it that bidirectional area, like many aspects of health in functional medicine? Um, how is it actually? preventing or impacting sleep or vice versa. Yeah, it, it, it becomes a cyclical thing, like you're saying with the headaches and the sleep, because people, um, the hypothalamus in the brain is involved in both sleep and pain processes. And so the hypothalamus is regulating your circadian rhythms and sleep cycles, but also modulates the sensation and pain. So disturbance there affects sleep and pain tolerance. And then, you know, so there's many studies done that people that have are regular migraine sufferers, um, you know, there is that direct relationship between migraines and sleep. Some of the exact processes are, you know, debated. There is, there have been studies that show the, the duration of REM sleep in particular um, is affects migraines, but there is a, a definite connection. So, you know, one of the things that you can do right away, if you're someone who has have headaches um, chronically is try to really focus on that sleep. Sleep in itself, lack of sleep in itself can be a contributing factor to headaches independently of everything else. So we want to really make sure you're getting both quality and quantity of sleep. You want to try to get, I don't, you're the expert here on the sleep. So I, I tell my patients aim for eight hours. Is that what you, you give to? <laughs> No, in fact, surprisingly, Meg, that I feel that everyone has a different requirement. I know that for about two decades, I had a job which made me leave the city and go out early in the morning. So I had to wake up to an alarm at around 3.30 in the morning. And then about a couple of years ago during COVID, I decided to quit that and work from home. And it was remarkable how that shifted for me that the moment I stopped setting an alarm, uh, my body seemed to require nine and a half hours and I would wake up just at nine and a half hours. I still do now after. So I, if I need to wake up earlier, make sure I go much earlier to bed. So I think, and, and I know for sure that women do tend to require a little bit more sleep than men in 
terms of being hormonally stable and mentally calm through the day. So I think it differs if someone has the luxury to not set an alarm and just allow their body to wake up as it should be. Zen practice of just, you know, wake up and your body feels ready. I think that will tell you what, how much sleep you need personally. I love that. Yes, I agree. <laughs> We're so structured sometimes that we, we need <laughs> a number, but I don't know about you, but I see people getting a lot less than that. So oh, it, yes. it's working to make sure you get those habits in so that you can get that good quality sleep. Yes, absolutely. And of course, if we, I mean, we can't really go into quality today, but you know, then there's trackers, which trackers are appropriate. I know some are not effective, but if you have a good tracker, then it's surprising, Meg, that sometimes the day you think you've woken up having a great night's sleep, you actually don't have that quality of REM sleep and deep sleep and uh, it's you really don't know is the science up to the uh, level of where it should be but I think go by what your body feels that it's got but let's jumping back into headaches uh, does it go the other way as well Meg where uh, obviously if you developed a terrible headache sometime during the day I know for a fact that for me once I started the headache, whether it was early, sometime during the early morning or late afternoon, no matter what I took for myself back then, it wouldn't relieve itself until and I would go to sleep fe feeling that I needed that softness of the pillow under my head just to soothe that throbbing inside my head. And somewhere in the middle of the night, I would wake up, the headache would be marginally better but I would feel so heavy in my head so you, you did speak about how good sleep is required to prevent headaches and uh, help you with recovery but uh, what do you don't do you also feel that the hair headache can prevent quality sleep once you've developed it already and how do I mean what do people do in that situation Absolutely. Yes. When you're in pain in general, I, that's going to be something that makes it harder to sleep. So, um, you know, once you're in the pain cycle, like you're saying that you already have that pain in your, but so, you know, doing things to alleviate the pain, you know, even putting a cool washcloth on your, your head, making sure that your room is cool, like cool, dark, and quiet is good. I, I know, you know, with migraines, even having that dark, really dark room, you know, getting a light out and which we have at night, but sometimes even, you know, with the way the world is now with electronics, there can be lights shining, you know, from if you have a TV in your room or from your phone or from all different things where you kind of have little lights shining around the room. So if you can really get that room dark, you get it cool, you know, get some soothing relief, um, some even putting some peppermint essential oils sometimes or different essential oils that that can just help for calm, like peppermint and lavender can be calming together um, to really get that soothing down, um, you know, so that you can get sleep while you have the headache. I love it. And I think you're so right about the light because uh, 
At one point, my husband used to think that I was being the diva because I would complain about this little pinprick of light in the switchboard. And truly, I think some of us are a lot more sensitive to light than others. And this has so much behind it. And I don't want to get into that today. But I would like to, of course, get into the root causes of why people have headaches because this is an area which is not random and just one occasion. If someone is struggling with headaches and they're going through them in a particular rhythm, I mean, it's coming back every so often for them. And uh, is there a pattern to how that appears? Is it cyclical for women? Are there other? I mean, truly, Meg, I think I'm clueless about headaches. So I'd love <laughs> to know about all just breaking down all those root causes first. Yeah, that's great. So one, so we talked we talked about sleep and you know, just making sure you're getting that good sleep. Another thing that um, that you can do is make sure you're staying hydrated because dehydration can actually be something that can trigger your headaches too. So you want a, a simple rule you can try to do is drink half your body weight in water daily. And it's better to actually sip your water throughout the day rather than chugging it at meals. When we chug water, when we drink our water more at mealtime, um, we're not getting that that slow intake throughout the day that's really helping as regularly with that cellular hydration, because when you drink a lot at the same time, you can just, you know, excrete it out of your body. And plus, when you drink more at mealtime, then you're also changing the composition of the food and the way it's digested. So just, you know, one thing you can do is stick that water bottle beside your desk and just sit throughout the day um, to really stay hydrated. And I think also, Meg, that a lot of people forget to drink water during the day and then as you say they're chugging it down in the late evening and then of course they're disrupting sleep because they're constantly waking up to use the restroom uh, because they waited until they're dehydrated to then drink their water so I love that you have any suggestions for that when you say sip uh, to make it practically happen and make people remember, do you have something on your table all the time or what do you suggest? I just, I fill up a water bottle and I'll, if I'm home, if I'm working from, I, I, I see patients virtually. So I see patients in my, I have a home office and then I actually do sometimes go to a physical space. So if I'm in, I just have, you know, well, keep, I always keep a glass of water beside my desk. If I'm out of the house, then I um, take a water bottle with me. So I just, I like those, um, you know, those stainless steel insulated water bottles. They're easy, they stay cool. And um, I just carry that with me wherever I go. And then that way I know I always have, have it. You know, my family will make fun of me because that before we're like leaving to go somewhere for, you know, traveling a little bit. I'm like, wait, I have to have my, mom, my water bottle. Because if, you know, if you leave and you don't have it, then you do get dehydrated and you don't have something to drink. And if you just kind of keep that with you and that just becomes something that you always take, I think it's there. You sip it because you, like you're saying, you realize that you, you are thirsty. And I also think another point to that is that sometimes people will eat when they're actually thirsty. So they feel that sensation of like, I need something and, you know, right. try yeah. to take a sip of water before you go grab some more food and see like, okay, am I actually just thirsty and not recognizing it? 
Yes, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so I'm sorry, I jumped in in the middle and we got into water, but let's get yeah. back to root causes. Yes. Yeah, so then the food sensitivities play into headaches a lot. And I think that's another thing that people don't realize. We know that there are specifically certain foods that trigger headaches. And I, I listened to your recent um, podcast all about histamines, which was great. And I, and histamine is a food group in particular that does trigger headaches. So sometimes I think you were saying in that episode that, you know, people think of histamines as um, like you're getting runny noses or you're getting those allergic type reactions, but histamine foods also are independent trigger, you know, triggers for headaches. And then we look at foods containing tyramine. Um, some people have salicylate sensitivities, nitrate sensitivities, um, sulfites that are like in wines. Uh, we look at MSG, aspartame and different, even different colorings and flavorings. So often for people, it's a combination of it might be one food, but often it's a combination of different foods. So, you know, maybe having that um, extra, you know, I think actually I'm going to refer to that histamine episode. Again, when you're thinking about it, you were saying that, that there was a bucket almost. So it could be like, okay, I had, you know, this here, and then I had, you know, a hot dog that had some nitrates and I drank a diet Coke that had aspartame. Could those combinations trigger a headache for someone because they're having different foods that trigger headaches together? And then there's just some people that I had one patient who, you know, had gluten and every time she never knew she got had headaches with gluten, but once we eliminated gluten and she realized that her headaches were, were down, we were working. And then every time she, she would cheat let's say in her, in her gluten, um, she would get a headache. And then she's like, Oh my gosh, I never knew all this time that my headaches were from gluten. So what, that's what we work on figuring out the root cause of what is triggering you in particular to get those headaches. And that can be different for each, you know, for each person, everybody, um, you know, we looking even at a person's individual food sensitivities through like a food sensitivity testing, IgG antibodies that someone may be reacting to. And that's totally, you know, we do that through testing and that's individualized. So there there's, we're putting those pieces of the puzzle together to see what's triggering that, that person. Um, in addition I'm sorry, and, and I, yes, I just wanted to ask you because I know, of course, it's very individual, but what uh, you find a lot is people, they tend to go searching for various magical fix. And then, you know, once they, even if they work with someone, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've spoken to so many practitioners who have said this as well, and I personally experienced it, is that Figuring out what is inflammatory for that person is one part of the puzzle, but then very often they don't actually want to follow that. Uh, and they say that I don't want to live. I have people who've said, and I said this on the histamine episode as well, where there was someone who said, I'd rather live and take medication than restrict myself. Um, what what are your thoughts on that? Is there a sensitive way for some of these mindsets to be broken down for people so they actually get long-term solution? Yes, you know, I actually will tell my patients that where I say, well, now the now that you have the power, the power and the knowledge, the choice is actually yours. So I I think that once you have that knowledge and 
and it, you know what it feels like to feel better, it, it generally is easier for people to make that choice. So, so I think a lot of times when people don't get to that point, when they, they don't really investigate or they don't stick with it, or they don't, you know, try to really find that they don't see that full benefit. But I think once you find the full benefit and you see, I have people find this transformation of like, Oh my gosh, I actually feel better Then sometimes they do it, but they're more likely to try to keep those choices going. I'm not going to say I haven't had people for sure that just, you know, go back and, and, and can't do it or, you know, don't want to try. But in general, I see, a, I think people then know that choice they're making and then they can, they have the, the power and the knowledge to, to choose like, okay, if I want to do that, yes, I can, I can, that might trigger me to have a headache or that might trigger if you have IBS or different things. Um, but you, you have the choice then. I agree, Meg. I think it's so important, the mindset, whether you wanted the knowledge to be one of feeling empowered or whether it's going to leave you frustrated and deprived. So it's really that mindset shift is something within each person. Um, so yes, food sensitivities and uh, after that. Yeah, so then, um, you know, also then look at, look at your environment. So we also know that certain heavy metals like lead and cadmium can be um, if you have an overload of those. So we want to make sure that your, your toxic load is lower, you know, that we're evaluating that. And you also, in additional, in addition to your toxic load, you want to look at environment, you know, environmental triggers. So, you know, one thing there is that, that link with congestion and, and having allergies and chronic congestion with headaches too. So one thing I like to um, suggest is to put an air filter in your room. Once you, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, I have a filter maybe on my furnace or I already have that something like that. But when you actually get that, if you put an air filter in your bedroom and you actually see what's in that filter when you clean it, it's surprising how much you know, dust and everything is in that. Right. So but since we spend so much time sleeping and that's when our body's rejuvenating itself and we need, you know, I, even if, if you can just get it in your bedroom, I think that's like an ideal thing to do. So I try to suggest that. Lovely. So if you do feel that someone has um, issues with the, I mean, raising toxic compounds, which is contributing to their headaches, what do you feel are the suggestions for what they can do? Uh, again, and speaking about a, another client as well, I must say that there was someone who uh, felt that anything aimed at improving detoxification for herself was unnatural. So, uh, I mean, there was really, uh, my hands were tied. And the reason I'm talking through this case here is also because it was so apt for what you're talking about. And I know that it would help a lot of people to know about mindset alongside physiological and that's why I'm picking your brains on mindset along the way Meng so uh, what would your suggestions be for someone to um, if they were having this load of lead or cadmium or what can they do 
So we would want at that point. So in order to find something like that out, like the lead and cadmium part, you would have to do a test. So I think once you have that data, you know that that's some, you know, you, once we have the data in the testing, then we know, okay, you either do or you don't have that toxic burden. And then we look at, you know, detox, you know, some sort of a detox for them is what I would suggest at that point to really clear, you know, I mean, even, you know, sweating, exercising, you can, you can detox, you know, we can do heavier detoxes with supplementally and things for people when we're working together because they're in our care. But in general, you can just even, you know, if you have access to a sauna, you can sweat. If you really just work out and, and sweat and, you know, get that, those kind of things, um, you know, for the lymphatic system, even dry brushing before the shower helps move those, you know, those lymph nodes. And that's something people can do sim like simply too. Um, but I think just do it, getting enough water is helpful. Just doing things that are even gent gentle to really move those toxins through and, and really even, even going to the bathroom daily and getting to that point helps you, you know, detox yourself. So really just anything you can do to get yourself, you know, detoxing well. Beautiful. And I think what you mentioned, Meg, about uh, beginning with even gentle forms of detox, that is great because sometimes when people are overloaded in their detoxification channels, they're also feeling a bit stuck emotionally in terms of mindset. So that itself can probably help move things along. But you did mention sauna, so I must also probably say that sometimes when people are histamine intolerant, they can't tolerate saunas because the heat triggers a spike in histamine. So again, then it comes back to that bio-individuality. Um, yeah, so that was all so useful. So, uh, um, and you're so right, when someone is working with you, obviously, when they're under your care, then you can do a lot more. But uh, also, there are people who, uh, I like your approach because you said you can begin with the gentle interventions, like just drinking more water and getting yourself to sweat because there are also the other group of people and this is diametrically opposite to what I mentioned when some people are resistant. There are also people who jump into the most complex treatments as a first step. You know, I know people who've gone towards uh, chelation as a first step. And um, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I disagree with that. I do disagree with that too, because we really have to make sure that every, if, if you jump in too soon, you can have more burden on yourself. So, so yes. we need to make sure that all the pathways are clear for you really to be able to excrete and that you're in a strong place to detox before we, we really push something like that. So I think the gen, you know, if you're doing it on your own, the gentle detox is the way is the way to go for sure. And I, I do too agree with you. I had someone come into me one time for the first visit and this is a different aspect, but on this, along the same lines. And she was saying, well, I'm doing a parasite cleanse. And I said, well, do you know if you have a parasite? And she's like, no, I just read about, you know, parasites. And, and so I think a lot of people are getting misinformation because there's so much out there. Yes. Said, well, you don't need to do a parasite cleanse if you don't know if 
you even yes. have a parasite, there's not, you know, that's not really great on your body either. So it's, they're getting in, people are getting so much information, don't know what to do. And so it's good to get some direction from someone who can I guide you through that. the correct I love steps. that, Meg, because I think it's so important you share that because it does seem to be a very tricky trend out there nowadays because we have so much access to information it becomes a double-edged sword where sometimes people are just trying to piece together bits of protocols from various places and then apply it and you know some of these protocols have uh, challenges themselves for example uh, you know people putting I know someone who's put themselves on a therapeutic diet like a low FODMAP for the last two years uh, and uh, they've just read about that and you know the long-term restrictive diets themselves have so many uh, deficiencies they can induce so I'm so happy to hear you bring caution to that area and it's why it's important to have direction but I'm so sorry I keep cutting you off because there's so much you're inciting in my mind as we're speaking that I have to stop you for a second and just get into that area but let's just jump back into root causes Absolutely. No, this is great. Um, so, the, you know, the other thing that we want to look at for people, which is really hard to avoid right now is stress, because that is also in itself uh, a cause of headaches. And with stress, you know, there's a cycle, again, like sleep, where we pain in itself is stressful. And so, you know, then once you're in pain, you have more stress on your body and you're, you can get higher levels of cortisol, which can release prolactin, which increases pain sensitivity. So people can get in this stress pain cycle and have high, you know, where their cortisol is high. So we really want to do things that, that can decrease stress and decrease their cortisol levels and bring them really back into that parasympathetic nervous system. And that it's, you know, different for, for everyone. I really like meditation. Um, I'm a big fan, but anything that really, you know, can bring your body in the calming, deep breathing, yoga, journaling, walking in nature, a calm, calming bed night time routine is another good one to really get yourself in that calm place before bed. But we do need to work on, you know, stress really is another independent factor that can cause that can trigger headaches for people. And one that's just not given as much importance by individuals as it should be, Meg. And I think we're all guilty of that sometimes. I know that it's only in the last few months since we introduced these guided meditations on the podcast that now I play them for myself every afternoon so that I just help myself down-regulate stress and uh, slip into that parasympathetic state but I think it's about just making time for whatever it is and you mentioned so many activities for that but really giving that dedicated time every single day like 10 minutes every day is definitely uh, far more effective than maybe going away on a long meditation retreat once a year not saying that that doesn't have benefits but we need something on an every single day basis 
Absolutely. That's what I, exactly what I tell my patients. Like if you can get 10 minutes in, <laughs> you know, you can find 10 minutes in your day that you can get, you know, get that in and get into that meditation. And I love the guided meditations, particularly for people starting out, because I think people struggle at first on meditation can feel overwhelming. It's that people have trouble getting their, their mind to calm and everything. So the guided meditations, like you're saying, really help just kind of get you in that practice. It's, it's like building that muscle of medicine to be able to do it. Yes. Yes. Um, any other root causes we miss? So for sure, the one thing that we also, that many women particularly deal with are hormonal headaches. So, you know, you'll see some women that are say, okay, I get, I've always gotten a headache, maybe the week, like two days before my period, every month I get the headache right before my period. And this has to do with, with hormonal balance. So the week before our cycles are, our hormones are dropping off. And so um, our progesterone and estrogen are both decreasing, but progesterone will sometimes decrease a lot faster than our estrogen. So then women become estrogen dominant in that period, right before in the time period, right before their cycle starts. And so this is another way, place that people um, often will get those migraine headaches right before their period. So um, with that, you know, there's, there's many things we do with hormone balancing, but also looking at your, when we were talking about your environment again, I and mean, we have so many products that we're bombarded with all the time that have, you know, estrogens in them. So, you know, really looking at your food and, and trying to get, you know, hormone-free dairy and hormone-free meats and, and, and then looking at the, the xenoestrogens around you, like in your plastics or your beauty products or your household goods and, and, and just cleaning up your home so that you have a lower estrogen burden on your body. And that, that can be something else that can make a difference for people. And I think so many women are struggling with estrogen dominance. And also when you mentioned uh, how the hormones are dropping, progesterone's dropping faster at the premenstrual phase. I was also going to ask you, does the same thing happen in perimenopause uh, where the hormone shifts again? Because a lot of women at that perimenopausal years, then they struggle with migraines. Yes. Yes. So, so progesterone drops five to 10 years before estrogen. So in, in perimenopause, there are many women who may not even have an, oh, let's say an overload of estrogen, but are estrogen dominant in just because the, the progesterone is lower than the estrogen. So we want to work to balance those out and make and really get a better balance for them. So they're not more prone to headaches and the other symptoms of estrogen dominance. I love it, Meg. You really have a very deep, sensitive approach. And I've loved all that you've spoken about, but I know that we're running out of time. So maybe if we could move on to actually what can people start to do? And of course, you mentioned so many root causes, obviously, for uh, some of that, they would need to work with a qualified practitioner. But where can they actually begin if they're having frequent headaches and uh, struggling with pain? Sure. Yeah. So I think the first, so I think, you know, really the the free and easy things you can do right now are, like we said, start drinking water, um, you know, increase your water intake, you might be dehydrated without even realizing it. So just 
you know, try to get that routine. It's just sometimes really about routine and getting that water by you. If you don't like the take, and I do have people that say, I just really don't like water. So then find ways, you know, put a lemon in it or put some cucumber, you know, there's all these things, little tricks that we can do to try to, to, to see so that you can get that water and, you know, getting the, the good night's sleep, listening to what you're saying. If you have the ability to listen to your body and sleep, you, you know, to get the sleep you need to naturally wake up. But if you, if you don't have that luxury, then at least try to try to aim for eight, at least eight hours in order to, to know that you're getting something that's substantial, um, you know, work on doing those things that you, that we were talking about with regards to meditation and stress management and really focusing, making that a priority to focus, getting back into that, um, parasympathetic nervous system so that you can not be living in that sympathetic nervous system all the time where your cortisol is getting high and, and getting in that pain cycle a lot. And then really look at your diet, pay attention. And one thing I do tell people is, um, that you can do, and this is a pretty easy thing is, um, actually just print out a calendar and write down if, when you get those headaches, what you ate that day and, and maybe even the day before, and then you can start to see patterns of like, oh, well, okay, every time I had this, you know, my headache came. And, and really then you start to, to investigate on your own what what could be triggering that. And, and sometimes people will start to see patterns whenever you do something like that and just track it. I love it, Maggie. Is there any place that people can begin in terms of food if they're eating a standard diet? What can they actually, I mean, I know you went to a lot of very specific food compounds like histamine, salicylates, and I know mm. that can't be done by someone without a practitioner, but where's the best place to begin? I know you said about hormone-free dairy and meat, but do you mm. also have your patients begin by eliminating those foods? or by just tracking it well some you know sometimes we do depending on the person we would eliminate things and sometimes we do food sensitivity testing in order to see their triggers but the most common ones are gluten dairy corn eggs peanut and peanut butter and sugar so those would be if you can you know really if you can try for a gluten and dairy elimination you know that that all that's always a big one to help. There's gluten and dairy. We see cause so many different symptoms for people when we're talking about, you know, a lot of different functions of the body. So that's, those are the, at least the two I would start with. The other thing I want to say about that is I do have people say, well, I went gluten-free and I didn't notice a difference. You do have to do it for a period of time too. So I think you need to give it at least a month to see, you know, if you just say like, oh, a week or two, I went gluten-free, I didn't notice a difference. You, you may not notice anything for a little while. I was just going to ask you this, Megan, you spoke about it, that, you know, the common thing for people is to say, I tried gluten-free, didn't help me at all. But if they've also not done other things alongside when they've eliminated gluten, they've been uh, for a I mean, just as an example, there have been people who've been highly deficient in iron, B12 and omega-3, and they haven't addressed those deficiencies. And then they've eliminated gluten and they've said it didn't work for them. So I'm happy to have you bring that up as well. And uh, I'm sure you're going to make a lot of peanut butter fans very disappointed with that statement. 
Um, but yeah, that's a great place to begin as well. And um, um, there was something else I needed to bring up, but it slipped my mind. So is there anything else that you missed out? No, yeah, not, not at all. I actually am starting a group program for specifically for headaches because I've seen so much success and changes in people um, that is with my protocol. So that is um, at, if you go to www.happinessbeyondheadaches.com, that there's a early interest page there. So if you want to, you know, get any more information about that, I'm also on Instagram and my website is www.megmail.com. I love the happiness from headaches. Uh, happiness from headaches? Um, it's, it's happiness beyond headaches. Beyond headaches. I love yes. that. I love that. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask you where can people find you, but you shared that beautifully. Yes. So please, if you have headaches, go and sign up so that you don't miss out when the program releases. And Meg, before I let you go, just to have you complete our show mantra, if sleep is the new medicine, then how would you complete that for us? If sleep is the new medicine, then I want to make sure that I... I'm getting an abundance of it. <laughs> I love it, Megan. Thank you for your time. I loved our conversation because it's so fluid and we got through so many things and really, I think, it simplified way of looking at the root causes and it was beautifully structured. So, I mean, I can't wait to see what your program has in store for people. I'm sure it, if you have such lucidity when you're explaining the root causes, I'm sure your protocols will be fascinating as well so thank you for your time and to have been here with us today it was great having you and meeting you and connecting with you from across the globe thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed it thank you Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a qualified professional please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional it is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding if you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care, especially when it comes to chronic health conditions. Be sure to subscribe to the Sleep Whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches.